I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadandi and Bibbulmun people of Wudichup in the southwest Bujara region in Nungabuja, also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. This is episode number 88. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies and men's experiences of pleasure. And today I have the pleasure of chatting with Kelly Gordon. Kelly is a 32-year-old entrepreneur and consultant based in the West Midlands of the United Kingdom. She has spinal muscular atrophy type 3, which is a genetic disability, meaning for her that she uses an electric wheelchair to get around. Kelly's condition is progressive and has meant that she has faced losing her ability throughout her life, especially when her body faced big changes and challenges such as pregnancy. Kelly has two young sons, which she is, uh, which is quite trying for any parent. <laughs> yes, indeed it is, uh, but absolutely loves parenting with her disability, with help from her supportive partner, Josh, and her awesome team of PAs. From a young age, Kelly was outspoken and never let anyone dictate what her disability meant or allowed her to do. This has seen her go through mainstream schools, get into a lot of trouble at college, and ultimately push herself through many exciting and predominantly male-dominated industries. Kelly now works as a consultant, which allows her to dedicate her time to projects that truly excite her and allow her also to manage her time to ensure that she has sufficient time with her young sons. Kelly's current projects span from recruitment to working for forward-thinking sex toy brand Hot Octopus. Kelly also works as a presenter and is the current host of Hot Octopus's brand podcast, Pleasure Rebels. As well as this, Kelly has also worked on projects for the BBC, Channel 4 and Virgin Media. Kelly also regularly appears in mainstream media throughout the UK, discussing issues that disabled people face and advocating for other disabled people. Kelly has also co-founded the business With Not For with Emma Gardner. Kelly and Emma are working together on this project to not only get disabled people into work, but to push disabled people into high paid and high power roles, ultimately getting them to boardroom level by embracing talent, confidence, and re-educating big employers about the benefits of adding people with disabilities to their teams. And you can find Kelly on Instagram at Ms. Kel G, that's M-S-K-E-L-G-E-E. Or the Pleasure Rebels podcast, which I highly recommend checking out on Instagram. That can be found at Pleasure Rebels. And in this episode, the two of us talk about Kelly's experience as a disabled person, as well as the intersection of disability and sexuality. In particular, we talk about how Kelly's disability has impacted and influenced her own sexuality and her experience of pleasure when um, taking into consideration chronic pain. We also talk about the stigmatization of wheelchair users as well as sex toys for people with disabilities, including for people that have um, chronic erectile issues as well. So sex toys for flaccid penises. Super valuable podcast. Highly recommend listening to it. So enjoy. Today, I'm going to be discussing an activity that some of you might find embarrassing. However, I assure you, there is nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't seem to me that you have to go straight to intercourse or that you have to go all the way at all. You can't have sex in a good relationship without both partners being involved in contraception. 
Uh, well, the first uh, question, it's not much of a question, it's actually more of an invitation uh, that I give to everyone uh, to, to begin with is, uh, similar to what you invited me to do, is, is I'd love for you to share a little bit about who you are and um, and the work that you do and, and the the amazing business that you run as well. Uh, so that's my my open invitation to you to, to share for a couple of minutes. Perfect. So, yeah, my name's Kelly Gordon. I am a wheelchair user full-time. Um, I have spinal muscular atrophy, which is a muscle wastage condition um, that is progressive. So, basically, I grew up being able to walk and presenting completely in inverted commas normally um and my parents didn't find out that I had SMA until I was around three years old um I walked all the way up till primary school um so like the age of 11 um but then when the body goes through puberty and stuff like that uh there's a lot of progression with my condition so I became a full-time electric wheelchair user from then um that obviously was a really tricky time because I think you're uh, obviously going up to high school, which is daunting for anyone. You're kind of going through puberty, you're finding yourself. And then to become a wheelchair user at that age was quite difficult for me. Um, I actually tried to uh, fight that for quite a while in not using my wheelchair, which was a really silly thing to do um, because I found myself falling over quite a lot and not being able to get up and just kind of lashing out at the world, to be honest with you. Um, So from there, I kind of reinvented myself as this like sexual kind of goth person. Um, and I explored the lovely internet uh, looking for willing victims <laughs> to have sex with and explore with. Um, so basically, that's the start of, of me uh, coming into my own with, with what I'm doing now. Um, but it's not a linear journey. Um, so I was always a sexual person. I put myself in really difficult situations Um looking back on them now not safe situations and kind of just running at everything headfirst which was not a great idea um didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life so came out of school into education didn't like education wanted to get into work and work was difficult to find for me back then like I'm 32 now um when I left school I was 16 so that's quite a long time ago um when we're talking about attitudes to disability in the workplace um so I found it very very difficult to get a job but when I did get a job I realized that I absolutely loved work I started in the NHS uh as a receptionist and worked my way up to become a prescription clerk and did all my medical uh, terminology and stuff like that. Um, But then there wasn't really anywhere for me to go from there. You know, being a nurse or a doctor or something like that would be incredibly difficult for me just because it's quite a hands-on job that, you know, unfortunately you do need to be relatively able-bodied, I suppose, to do. Um, So that wasn't really an option. So I actually went into life as a sports concierge. So I work for professional footballers and organise their lives. Um, Again, started out as a receptionist and worked my way up. I absolutely love work, which is a a blessing and a curse because it means that I'm constantly working, but I do love it. Um, So basically, yeah, working with professional footballers, sorting their lives out, helping them with their family lives getting them into nightclubs, booking holidays, buying cars. So an absolutely great job for somebody that's in their 20s because it's it's like living through them. It's, it's amazing. Um, but along with that came a lot of, you know, stress in terms of 
how I viewed myself. I wasn't a particularly, you know, I came across as a confident person, but I had a lot of internal doubt and a lot of um, that inner saboteur going on and being in such an image conscious world and presenting as a young alternative female wheelchair user was really difficult for me. Um, So at the time I was working within a business, but then I uh, kind of had this epiphany one day that I could do things by myself if I just decided to embrace my confidence and like kind of ignore all that shit going on in my head. Um, So I started my own concierge company and I did that for God knows how many years until until I had kids, basically, and and I didn't enjoy footballers ringing me at four a.m. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so from there, I um I actually this is my story is actually really crazy. Um, but I actually ended up buying a football club um, local to us um, with my dad because he's in the sports industry as well. He's a football agent. And we ran that for a few years. And then ultimately we went back to doing what we love, which is consulting on different projects and and working with people. Um, So that's how I started working with the brand Heart Octopus. And I started off there just as a writer, sharing my experiences um, with my, my own disability and my own sex life um and then we developed this role which uh which is inclusivity lead which I absolutely love because it's it's me doing something that I feel like was natural progression um sharing my experiences hoping that people learn from my mistakes um but actually now I've uh, I've just been made creative director of the whole brand which is you know, it's amazing. It's something I I love doing. And they've given me such a fantastic opportunity. And honestly, I've never worked with a better company. I really haven't. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm currently doing that and running a recruitment business as well at the same time, (laughs) um, which is, which is always fun. You know, I love to multitask. So that's great. (laughs) That's amazing. You sound like quite busy then, hey, with two kids as well. With two kids, yeah, and a podcast, and yeah, God knows what else. Whatever I agree to, the thing is, I never say no to any opportunities. So I feel like there's that many jobs that I have at the moment. Plus, like, I love cooking, so I do all the cooking in the house as well. I'm basically just punishing myself. I think <laughs> at this point, just a glutton for punishment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, do you do you find time for for self care? Do you have like a self care practice? My self-care just tends to be a glass of wine and a really good vibrator, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you have a a particular vibrator from um, Hot Octopus? Oh, yeah. My favorite product of ours is the Ammo. It's like a little bullet style vibrator with a really targeted clitoral stimulation. It's really small, but super high powered. It's waterproof. It's yeah, it does everything. It's constantly on my bedside table. It never gets put away. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I am. Um, I'm wondering, are you um, like, are you a, a sex toy aficionado? Do you try everything you can get your hands on? Or you were like, no, I only like wand vibrators or I only like clitoral vibrators and I'm just going to stick to those. I try and try everything I can get my hands on. I'm literally obviously being creative director now. Um, we're really doing some exciting stuff in terms of looking at other people's products as well. Um, we have a BDSM site that I'm 
currently buying for, um, which is really, really exciting because it's not something that I've explored a ton. But as I'm exploring it now, I'm learning more and I'm kind of getting to grips with what's out there. Um, So, yeah, I, I do. I've got like boxes and boxes of sex toys. I've got strap or different kind of straps like um I've got yeah I get sent quite a lot of product but it's great um but my partner you know my partner's pretty well he used to be pretty vanilla um until he started working more with the brand and now I feel like he's he's tried a few products and he's kind of getting a bit more used to using products so it's really exciting actually that's amazing yeah I'm uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of like the same for my partner as well she's um like she is quite uh i mean vanilla i suppose yeah and uh, as i've kind of like ventured down the sex toy route uh, i've started to introduce things you know um i was sharing on your podcast that we uh really love our wand vibrator and um and we use that most times that we have sex but we've we've you know, i get gifted a lot of toys as well just by the nature of the work that i do so we're always uh, yeah, well, I'm always introducing new things uh, to her and she gets uh, a kick out of like f- like opening the boxes. Um, so that will, they'll come in the mail and she'll, she'll be like, oh, what's this one? It's like, you know, it's like a, um, a naughty Christmas present essentially. So um, it's uh, that's it, been quite fun to kind of bring that into our relationship, which I never really kind of anticipated would be a thing uh, like four years ago when we started dating. So um, yeah, it's really, uh, it, it adds an element of playfulness, I find at least anyway, that kind of, um, a new toy or you know trying to figure out if it works or if it's for us I think that for us at least anyway brings that like it's like a level of like not so seriousness into the bedroom which I think is really important definitely definitely I think uh we might have to send her some hot octopus products then as well and see what she thinks of those she would <laughs> love that she would love that yeah I'll uh, I'll let her know that we're um we'll, we'll tee that up and she'll be super excited for sure yeah well one that i found recently that i absolutely love it's not one of our products um but it's it's a cock ring it's called the ragnar and it's literally just like one of those ones with the little it's not it's not vibrating it's not anything it's literally like a strap with one of those little i think they're called bolo rings i think they're called um but they are so good like i yeah i could rave about that all day that's our recent discovery that i absolutely love and it's so small and discreet as well it's just yeah it's a great a great one for people that are looking for something that's not really tech it's just a standard cock ring it's amazing Mm, yeah i'm actually more of a fan personally of the standard cock rings that i am of like the real fancy frilly uh vibrating elastic ones because um yeah, they just they they get a bit cumbersome and in in the way. I find at least anyway. Um, I'm I'm a fan of the more discreet ones, and um and I use, I I personally use cock rings as um a way to experiment with um or in conjunction with like penis pumps, for example, to experiment with like a little bit of extra size or girth or um you know maintaining of erections maybe after an ejaculation, for example, uh, and um and so all the extra frills that a real fancy looking cock ring has um it's not what i use them for so um so i find the 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 nice discreet standard ones um that actually function more as a therapeutic kind of device as opposed to more of a novelty device i i find the one that those ones are a little bit nicer and and better for 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 the for the things that we use them for i suppose yeah definitely i'd agree with that like some of the i know which ones you're talking about like the more plasticky kind of 
I don't even know what material it is. I can just feel it in my hand almost, that sticky, <laughs> sticky material. Um, yeah, we are yeah more into the ones that are, are no frills and they just keep those like mad solid erections going that just feel amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's something I, I encourage um, like couples to experiment with as well. It's like there's a lot of... Um, I mean, obviously this is a loaded question. We both kind of know this, but there's so much like stigma and taboo around like using toys. Um, and I feel like that's like, we're slowly kind of moving the needle uh, culturally with that. Um, uh, but when it comes to like devices, right? Like uh, penis pumps and cock rings and, um, and, and other things that maybe help with, uh, let's say, you know, um, like dysfunction right function issues um i feel like there's like still a little bit of um there's maybe there's an extra layer of stigma and taboo kind of um beyond the surface level like layers of of stigma and taboo around sex toys in general is that kind of do do you understand what i'm kind of saying definitely understand what you're saying yeah 100 percent um so I, I spoke to you on my show about the convention that i was at recently where we were it was actually a disability convention um we were the first ever sex toy brand to be there um it's called nadex and so it, it was it was i learned so much being there um especially around what you're discussing um there were some people that were completely confident um with spinal cord injury or um prostate injury or surgery to talk about the fact that they couldn't get an erection or couldn't feel vibration or you know whatever it might be um but that equally there were some people that that felt the stigma attached to that and a woman came over to me and she said you know my husband he's just had this surgery he can't get an erection um and now he's saying it's all over for him and and everything i suggest he doesn't want to be a part of it he doesn't see himself as a sexual person anymore so i was trying to introduce one of our products that could be used from flaccid and she was like well will it give him an erection i was like no but you need to relearn what you think about erections and what we all know about erections because it's not important it's you know it's just it is i understand completely where the guy was coming from on his own journey but it also can be really empowering to to let go of the labels and and move forward with something completely new and something different you know we were talking about prostate play things like that if that's a possibility there's a lot to explore in your own body and i think that especially the older generation as he was he'd just given up totally and you could tell it was really saddening to her um so definitely i agree with you i see where you're coming from mm, yeah and and i um i guess this maybe is a, is a nice segue into like talking a bit more about sexuality and disability um and i guess i'm i'm again following my my own curiosity here i suppose is how has um like your own experience with disability affected or impacted or influenced your your sex life i know you kind of um you shared before that you you uh stepped into that kind of like goth um uh, alternative uh kind of mystique i suppose and and became like really um like sexually outgoing has has um has things shifted i suppose over the years with regards to your own um experience between the intersection of sexuality and disability Definitely, definitely. It's really tricky because, like I say, um, throughout my life, I've faced a lot of progression when it came to my condition. And and it was actually only recently that I sort of discovered this. You know, we were talking about looking back on childhood and stuff earlier, but um, I sort of noticed that when I was younger, like I'm talking 
early primary school so you know when you've got those like quote unquote boyfriends and you're being a bit silly and playing kiss chase and all god knows what we're doing um but I noticed that I was really popular with guys um when I was younger and then as my disability worsened that kind of really kind of didn't exist anymore because I didn't really know what was going on with me and I think it was something that people weren't overly exposed to back then a lot of people with my condition would be put into uh you know the schools that were called back in the day special schools um even though there's no cognitive impairment there you were almost expected to get a different level of education um but I you know myself and my parents fought against that and I was in a mainstream school um but I think like I didn't really deal with processing just how difficult that was for me as a kid really to to come to terms with um but then from there um yeah, just really embrace my sexuality. I think there's a stigma that comes with uh, being disabled and people think that you are asexual or they think that you're kind of looking for a juvenile relationship where, you know, sex isn't on the agenda. Um, so I just really wanted to push that into people's faces and uh, make them realise that I was sexual. And that was, you know, that wasn't healthy. We spoke about, you know, what, how you used to act and you said that wasn't healthy I completely agree with what you said but in the opposite way you know I'd be talking to other people's boyfriends to try and like steal them and have sex with them or whatever and prove that I you know although I was disabled I was able to be more attractive than an able-bodied person and I did things that I'm not proud of I cheated on partners I did tons of things you know put myself in dangerous situations in terms of um you know I'd, I'd let people get me out of my chair I had a little bit more mobility then than I do now so I'd, I'd uh, let them help me onto the floor in places but I wouldn't be able to get off the floor I'd be relying on them to help me back into my chair or help me to stand um but, you know, never thinking, you know, it wasn't the time where we had phones attached to us all the time, never thinking they could just leave me there. Um, these were always people that I didn't know that well as well. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of dodged a few really bad situations potentially back then. Mm, yeah, yeah. And and I, yeah, and I, I guess like there's this... Um, uh, I mean, obviously, I can't speak from from my own personal experience, but I, I guess you know, I would assume there's like a, an, a, a, I guess, like an extra sense of vulnerability, I suppose, if um, you know you're uh, like you're a person that's a full time wheelchair user, for example, and you kind of have to rely on this other person to, uh, or your sexual partner to to like take you out of the chair as you as you shared, or, or to help you kind of back into the chair and. Um, I spoke to um, Andrew Gerza, um a little while ago and he was saying like there's a conversation here around like consent for example like you know obviously there's consent within the context of like what what do you want to do sexually but then there's also the consent of like hey I also need help as a wheelchair user you know getting out of the chair and, and you know do you consent to kind of helping me do that or you know putting me back in and, and things like this and um and I think that was, you know, that, that was something I had never, I'd never had to really consider. And it sort of really challenged my, like, um, my, my understanding of consent as well. And, and, um, and kind of called me forward to, to maybe deepen my understanding of consent. And I was, um, I just wanted to kind of throw that into the mix here with regards to that conversation. And especially what you, you were just sharing then is like, there's this, you know, those, those, um, 
those added things, I suppose, that um, need to be taken into to consideration when you're, you're a wheelchair user and, and you know, wanting to be sexual. Um, does that like, has that been an experience that you, um, or is that like a, a thought process that you kind of go through as well as like the, that, that extra layer of consent? Definitely, definitely. I mean, now um, I'm in a long-term relationship, but prior to that, I was actually single for quite a while and doing whatever dating apps or, you know, <laughs> whatever we do there. Um, and this was something that really popped into my head because I'd never been uh, single with this kind of mindset, realizing that things that I used to do were dangerous and trying not to put myself into those positions and, and, and being more safety conscious. So yes, definitely the consent piece was, was huge in my mind. And, and it actually enabled me to have some really interesting conversations where you have to be open and you have to communicate and, and I'd never done that before. And it, it led to better sex for me because it takes it out of your head. You're not worried about whether you uh, need to turn into a different position, how you're going to have that discussion during sex. You're not worried about pain limitations or or holding yourself in a certain way or looking too disabled. That's another thing. You know, there's a massive internalized ableism that comes with disability where you look at yourself and and sometimes you think, your disability is bad, um, which, you know, it's not, it's definitely not. And it's a part of me, but then there's days where you have those inner saboteur moments that I mentioned before, where you think, Oh God, I wish I could just do this. I wish I could just do that. And it can be really frustrating. So to take that out of the equation when you're having sex is, is great. And, and, you know, you've talked about everything that you need and everything that you can and can't do. So there's no kind of barriers there. It's just, let's have sex, which is what everybody wants, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned something there, which was um, like, yeah, is that like internalized ableism, I suppose, and like not looking too disabled. And that like, again, I've, I've never really had to consider that myself. And, and so I was wondering if you were able to speak a little bit more into um, like that maybe for yourself and, and how you've unpacked that and, and, um, and like any advice you have for people that maybe are in a similar situation that have that feeling of like, um, I guess the, like the, the analogy that I'm kind of like relating this to is maybe like some body image or like, am I, um, you know, am I looking a certain way or that's, you know, unflattering or, or, or something like that. So I was wondering if you're able to, to speak a bit more into that. Yeah, definitely. So internalized ableism, the way I see it is I always compare it to this because it makes it quite easy to understand for people that are not like, you know, au fait with it. Um, but also it's pretty funny is that, you know, in a, a film where the couple have just had a one night stand and then the female gets out of the bed, puts on a partner's shirt and walking around making coffee in the apartment with her ass cheeks out or something. It's like... It's that to me, it's, uh, I think, oh God, if he had, I don't know, another girlfriend, she'd be able to get out the bed and do this and walk around naked. And yeah, just all the things that you kind of can't do. And you see when you're in that space as like a negative thing. Um, 
so I to combat it I just kind of think of all the things that I can do and think of um that sounds kind of cheesy but I don't mean it in a cheesy way like um like the journey that I've been on um in my life to get to where I am now and the things I know and the people I've spoken to and just you know my own I'm very comfortable within myself so I think embracing that and and having that real close connection with someone is better than anything that you can do like whether it's walking around naked or or whatever it is I think if you've got that close communication and that intimacy and that kind of sparky sexual attraction then all that stuff just becomes a bit performative and a bit you know pointless the like you know the walking around in in a shirt or whatever because you've got that deeper connection and that's what's going to last and that's what's going to make you have ultimately great sex because you've got that level of communication where you can ask for what you want and and you don't have to be shy and and you can have an open discussion as adults um about you know what it is that you like and I don't think there's anything better than that but I think it took me until I got that to realize the other stuff didn't matter, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, thank you so much for for speaking into that. And, and something else that you mentioned just before as well was, um, um, I think you said pain uh, thresholds or, um, you know, uh, I suppose like experiencing pain uh, and, and maybe broadening this to people that do experience chronic pain as well, for example. Um, like ha- like having to have that conversation as well is, is kind of part of the part of the whole um, sexual experience. And I was wondering if you're able to, to speak a little bit more into maybe your own um, way of navigating a conversation around around pain. Yeah, so I mean, my I'm quite lucky in that my pain isn't, well, my pain is pretty constant because I've got scoliosis of the spine, but it's kind of a pain I'm used to. So it's always present. Um, with me, it's more about like different positions that might hurt or, um, you know, just being mindful really of that kind of thing. But there are... Uh, people that I've spoken to that deal with chronic pain that have actually turned it around and and brought it into the BDSM space which is really interesting and something that I definitely want to spend a lot of time looking into a bit further because there is this constant presence of pain I think the way that people get past it is uh, to either feel something completely opposite which is extreme pleasure um or to feel pain in other areas and and so they can control that pain and in a way it kind of redirects and takes your mind off it but then you you're taking back control um of your sexual experience so I find that super super interesting um but with me I think you know just if we're just talking about opening up conversations in general um it always seems worse in your head than it is and I think just having those conversations like I say it just alleviates the whole mind fog that you get sometimes when you're having sex and you know you're thinking about what to cook the kids for dinner or you know I mean you've you've got those other things on your mind um it just really makes you present and it, it takes it takes all the kind of mental weight away if you can if you can kind of talk about positions that you're more comfortable in or even if you say you know I really like Dougie for example but I can only maintain it for a certain amount of time or I really like Dougie but I prefer if we use a sex wedge it's about having those like solutions 
solutions. Um, and a lot of people with disabilities do have those solutions built in because it's just part of our everyday life. You know, we become problem solvers and, you know, there's a lot of people that probably worry about conversations uh, with disabled partners. And I've had people uh, write into the show about this particular subject, but I think the important thing to say is that a lot of disabled people have already got that worked out. So even that conversation will probably last like a few minutes because you'll be like, yeah, I need this, bang, bang, bang. You know, you've got it all outlined and and it's great because then it leaves more space for talking about emotions and and the way that you feel about certain things rather than, you know, the practicalities of sex, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's um, a really valuable insight, I suppose, is like the practicalities because they're just they're for the most part part of your everyday can just be knocked out and um and then you can focus on those those kind of deeper um like emotional and intimate connections i suppose which is really what that experience is for the most part about um so i i I find that really valuable thank you for sharing that i am no no worries i guess i'm i'm um there's uh i i had a had a question pop up um that i just wanted to flag and and come back to but um there like I, I worked when I was working in the disability sector here in, in Australia, what I noticed and something that was mentioned quite a lot was um, this kind of idea of uh, like di- quote unquote disability world where like, and you kind of you alluded to this, I suppose, when you were talking about like the, the special schools, for example, where um, like, you know, you were kind of lumped in with other people with disabilities, um, maybe intellectual you know disabilities or, um, um, or people on you know autism spectrum and things like that and i noticed the same thing when i was working here in australia this is only a few years ago that like there was there was like this little bubble that people with a disability were kind of in and they didn't really interact a lot with the outside world there wasn't a lot of opportunity and so part of the work that i was doing was helping these young men um with autism kind of connect outside the autistic like the autism bubble i suppose um and um, and so, I, and that's super valuable. Um, you know, f- that was super valuable for me to learn and, and realize. I didn't actually realize that was a, a thing. Um, but something here is like, uh, like a, co- a conversation or a question around, um, like people that are wheelchair users. Not not everyone uses a wheelchair for the same reason, I suppose. And and I'm wondering, is there, um, is there like a, a stereotype or a stigma that you've come up against about like why people? think that you're personally like using a wheelchair or is like is there like a common like oh if a person's using wheelchair they must be um they must be like a paraplegic or quadriplegic or they must have like a specific thing for them to be using a wheelchair not recognizing the the nuance that that's kind of inherent within it yeah definitely i mean i think it's really interesting what you said about the disability bubble though first and foremost is that I, because I was so far away from disability when I was younger, I was in mainstream schools, um, I, my parents thought that I needed to associate with more disabled people. So we were taken to some kind of disability club. I'm not quite sure what it was or, you know, um, they did certain activities or whatever, an after school club kind of thing. And um, it was terrifying for me um, because I'd never been exposed to anybody else with a disability and there were so many varying disabilities there that I was mortified and I was I was terrified because I thought 
is do people just see me that I just belong to part of this club and nothing else? And, you know, that's quite a raw thing to say because now as an older disabled person that's got experience of of uh, dealing with other disabled people in different positions, God, it makes me embarrassed to think that I ever thought like this as a child. Um, but I just didn't want to be linked to the disabled community at all. Um, and same with my brother, my my brother that's just younger than me. He's a wheelchair user as well. We have the same condition. And then our youngest brother is able-bodied. Um, but my brother, the same as me, he loves sport and he used to play football on his knees. He was a goalkeeper and he used to go on his knees rather than in his wheelchair because he linked his disability and sport to being bad um but now he's gone through a personal journey and and he actually plays for England's uh power chair team um so it's it's really yeah it's a it's an emotional thing and, and something that you really have to get to grips with but I think just being thrust in it in the, at the deep end um really meant that both of us weren't comfortable to explore our disabilities until we were much older um, because we just saw it as such a negative tie and I suppose thought that we wouldn't be accepted by um, our peers if we were viewed as disabled so we kind of did everything um, that we could to get recognised as not disabled um, which is really weird to say, but you know how some people say things like, oh, I don't even think of you as disabled and they sort of see it as a compliment. Those are the kind of things we were looking for back then. But now, you know, that's not so much a compliment because what's wrong with being disabled? But when you don't understand that, it, it is a compliment because you think, well, good, because I don't either and I don't relate to this community. Um, but now that sort of stuff makes me feel awful like I say to even think that I felt that way in the past um and when it comes to wheelchair users you know you're asking about people's assumptions of why you might be in a wheelchair it tends to be what happened to you um or you know you're too young to be in a wheelchair well you know disability doesn't discriminate you can be disabled at any time um and or too pretty which is one that never made sense to me um because just because you're in a wheelchair or you're disabled doesn't mean that you have to be ugly it's nothing to do with that um so that was very strange but yeah it tends to be you know the assumption of seeing you as a younger wheelchair user especially electric wheelchair user and and uh, people either thinking that you have a mental impairment or um you have had an accident of some kind or that yes you're paralyzed definitely is one of them um i actually got it at school where uh, a boy in my class he was a bit annoying um don't know what he's up to now but he used to kick me under the table and like be like oh you can't even feel your legs and i was like yes i can i can literally feel you kicking up kicking me i'm looking at you but it was just one of those things that people used to assume is that you had no feeling no sensation you're paralyzed and obviously uh muscle wastage conditions completely different to paralysis but you know it's that lack of education around around disability and and everything that comes with it i guess hey there thank you so much for listening to my podcast i hope you're enjoying this episode i just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course it's called outperform a porn star it goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms, overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions, reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure oriented, 
We talk about communicating with your partner, being a sexual leader, and all of this amazing stuff. So if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Let's get back to this episode. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, there's so much um, nuance, which um, I feel like just gets totally swept under the rug, unfortunately. Um, And I I guess I'm curious about your, um, like, your, your own experience with regards to sensation has there has there been i know you said you you kind of experienced because of the um scoliosis a a constant pain is is there is there a um is there a way that that sensation has kind of shifted for you over the years with with regards to like the the like muscle wastage as well like has there been a a change in the way that you've experienced um like pleasure or, or pain or just sensations in general uh, I think sensation-wise, no, but definitely I've had a lot of progression in the last year. Um, I just had my son like nearly a year and a half ago now, my last, well, my youngest son, I should say. Um, and just after then, I actually broke my ankle as well um, because before that I was still able to stand to do things like, you know, pull up clothes or or turn or, you know, move from my chair to the bed or something like that. So I was kind of a little bit ambulant still. Um, but then I actually fell and broke my ankle and that all ended. So that was quite difficult for me to come to terms with because I think I've only recently at this age I'm at now, 32, seen the power of my disability in that things can change and you can't stop it, which before... I never saw that because I used to like, like I said to you uh, previous, I used to push my wheelchair around. I used to walk around and ignore my wheelchair till the point that I fell over. Um, so I always used to fight against my disability. And I think that it's it's kind of shocked me actually that I can't recover from that because I always thought, oh, if I ever break a bone or this or that happens, I'll get over it. Um, I got over two C-sections where, you know, you can't fully straighten your body out and you you bent over and you can't do your usual standing positions and things like that. So I thought, oh, once this is healed, I'll be fine. But obviously they reset bones in different ways and um, it, it's not as easy to, to do what you used to be able to do. So that's something that I've had to really come to terms with and like, you'd be surprised how much one ankle can affect everything else. But like, it's really stopped me from being able to um, turn and roll and stuff as, as I used to. Um, so I'm relying on my partner a lot more uh, during sex and things like that, but also like just for general moving. And, you know, it's brought us really close together, but it's equally so frustrating to try and explain to somebody how exactly you want to move to be comfortable. And I think that's something that I'm super frustrated with that that I never used to have Um before uh and also obviously that's led to more communication during sex as well um when we do want to change positions and stuff like that because i can't just roll into those positions i have to be sort of manhandled or manipulated into those positions um so that's probably my biggest change with with regards to my disability recently um yeah i've had to kind of work through which has been difficult i won't lie about it yeah yeah thank you for for speaking into that there's like i mean you you kind of touched on it there's the the blessing in the the blessing in the curse right the the silver lining i suppose which is that you know it it, it's an opportunity to like um 
explore more communication, I suppose, right? Like with regards to um, like moving and positions and, and things like this. But yeah, I, I, I appreciate you um, you being being vulnerable there because yeah, it's, it's yeah, I mean, fucking tough by the sounds of it. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you, appreciate you sharing. Um, there's, uh, I mean, there's so many, um, kind of tangents that I want to go on with you, but I, I, um, I, I want to kind of keep it, uh, relatively, uh, on, on theme, um, with regards to, to sex and sexuality. Um, and, uh, I guess like what I'm, um, again, pursuing my own curiosity here is like, uh, with regards to, uh, toys, if we, we bring it back to hot octopus for a second as well, um, it, has there been, um, has there been a, uh, an avenue to explore toys specifically for like wheelchair users or specifically for people with disabilities? Has that been something that's been on your radar? So it's, I got asked this question a lot at Nadex and, and the way I always try and describe it is that we want our whole range to be inclusive um, and we don't want to do something uh, quote unquote special, just much like I was saying about the special education that we used to be subject to. We want to be able to offer this gorgeous, sexy range that, that serves everybody. And that's definitely our current mission. You know, we've got some products that we're adapting for people. Um, or finding different ways to, to repurpose for people with disabilities. But we ultimately want that great experience for everyone, like as a wheelchair user, especially a wheelchair user that comes from a concierge background. My uh, passion is going on little cheeky weekends away and going for really nice food and stuff like that. But um, the hotels that you stay in, the accessible rooms are just medical and they're, not nice and so I've always found myself shying away from that and going for more luxury and that's exactly what I want to give when it comes to our brand um, is that everybody gets the same packaging the same luxury and you know if people have concerns with things like packaging or or removing things then our warehouse is so hands-on and they will work to to help anyone so I've actually spoken recently to our warehouses and asked them to um, for people that declare that they're disabled um, that they could remove specific screws and things that make it difficult to to utilize our products so I think it's about again it comes back to communication if our customers are happy to communicate their needs we're happy to meet their needs um and more than happy like ecstatic to meet their needs because it's great to be able to offer that um to a community that hasn't been served for so long um so no is the answer but there's a reason for that it's that we want to be as inclusive throughout as we possibly can be um so obviously we're developing new products every day all of our products are invented by us um by our owner adam who's always tinkering away with new ideas um so we're developing new tech we're developing even the way like you know the buttons press things like that every day and we just aim to bring those like little hacks or tricks to the mainstream so that everybody has them because you know having a bigger button is not going to inconvenience anybody that's non-disabled but it will help people that are disabled so it's about making it accessible for everyone and really looking at that kind of disability model rather than thinking you know you need something just for you mm, yeah yeah i really love that approach and I'm, I'm wondering you know you mentioned two specific things there which you're um uh 
like which you're 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 including in this inclusive approach which is um like having the communication piece uh, especially around the the um warehouse and making things um like easier to or more accessible uh, i suppose to unpack um and then also the bigger buttons is there other things that need to be like that you've been taking into consideration with regards to making all the products inclusive of um, accessibility and usability? Some things that we do on a lot of current products is that that we uh, supply remotes. Um, so they're kind of like, they look a bit like Apple watches, I always say, because they've got that square face and just four buttons um but it's something that's really helpful to people especially for example with our pulse toy um we have a pulse solo looks which is the one that comes with the watch um so our pulse can be used from flaccid and and enjoyed while flaccid um which is really great for those with caregivers that need assistance to put on a toy um because obviously you know there's still a stigma attached to erect penises um and, you know, a caregiver putting something onto an erect penis, there's a bit of a gray area there in terms of consent, but also what their job role actually is. Uh, it's a very difficult one to unpack and to talk about. So to be able to put the pulse on to a flaccid penis is, is fantastic. And then for our user to be able to operate it from their wrist um, obviously takes away all the you know, having to reach down and press buttons or get anybody to change modes or anything like that that comes with using a sex toy. Um, it's all covered on the watch, which is is something that we've been getting a ton of compliments about, which is, is always nice to hear. Um, and it's always great to think that some of these people wouldn't have been able to have those experiences without a product that that services them in that way. Um, but also another one I found is our Curve toy, which is traditionally a G-spot stimulator. Um, a lot of people have been using it as like a bullet-style vibrator because of the shape. It's kind of shaped a bit like a wand. We were talking all about wand toys earlier. Um, but it's it's more long in the body. It's got a nice squishy tip, but also really packs a punch when it comes to vibration. A lot of people that can't um, lift their upper body in a conventional way um, to obviously reach the area that they need to. It's great because it gives them an extra bit of length when it comes to using it as a bullet. You know, you don't need to really lean forward. You can kind of lie back and and guide the curve in that way rather than putting it internal. So that's kind of like a hack that I used to use with some toys, but it's something that we really kind of thought about when um, the curve was being developed. And, and we we try and sort of sell it as a bit of a two-in-one because, you know, if you enjoy internal stimulation as well, it's great for that, obviously designed for that. Um, but then you can use it as that really squishy, vibrate bullet which is fantastic as well <laughs> yeah that kind of like happy accident secondary use is is fantastic yeah definitely definitely a happy accident for sure <laughs> <laughs> i am i'm curious about these um like toys that you guys have got which is um can be used on flaccid penises which is um like i could speak for hours about the fear of flaccid penises that we have in our society um but I love the idea of having toys that are available for, for flaccid penises. I was wondering if you were able to speak a bit more into that. Yeah, definitely. I think obviously mentioning previously that there's there's that kind of 
fear or stigma about flaccid penises. I think it's important that we brought something to market that that wasn't just for erect penises and wasn't just like a stroker or a fleshlight. Um, it's really important because I think even when people saw the toy at the show, they were like, okay, so I just move it up and down. And we were like, no, it's literally hands-free. You can put your dick in there flaccid <laughs> and you can watch telly and you can just lay back. You can, you know, watch porn, whatever you want to do, just sit back and enjoy. And I think it's such a different experience. It's like about relearning male masturbation because I think like you, you said on my show that people sort of see male masturbation as like pumping away and then like, you know, the end result. And that's kind of all you get, but we're really keen to promote the same masturbation experience for penis owners and vulva owners or or anyone who wants it because everyone deserves that like i have glass of wine at the end of the day with uh, with a sex toy and and a chill out and really getting to know yourself so it's definitely about taking the worry away from the fact that you're using a toy flaccid and and learning how to explore that in a new way for sure yeah yeah i love that idea of um moving away from just up and down jackhammer friction based jerking off like a chimpanzee style of like masturbating because i speak to men all the time about the way that they masturbate and that's just the the standard common like you know base way that a lot of guys jerk off and um and it's very like it's very limiting um and the, and and you know we, we kind of alluded to this but like there's the assumption then that they have to have a, an erect penis right to do this as well um and so there's this the story that you can't be sexual unless you've got an erection and that like you can't masturbate or you can't have sex unless there's an erect penis involved and so it becomes you know that and that leads into this idea of sex being phallocentric as well which is you know revolves around his penis, whether or not it's erect or not, that determines whether you can have sex or not. Um, so I, I think that, you know, personally, at least anyway, that just by stimulating and by engaging and just by loving your soft cock, you, you start to not only experience pleasure in a different way, which is really beneficial, but you start to challenge all those narratives about what sex is supposed to look like, what masturbation is supposed to look like, what's possible with your body and your partner's body. Um, so I think like it's just such a simple thing to do to just touch and stimulate your soft penis but it has like these really beautiful and far-reaching ramifications in my opinion anyway no definitely definitely and I, th I forgot to mention actually that we do a couple's version of that toy as well so um penis owners can use it flaccid um but their partners vulva owning partners can actually grind on the back um because there's a clitoral stimulator on the back and that brings a whole new level of intimacy you know we started uh marketing it as like different kind of foreplay but actually we've had so many reports of people that um, can't have traditional penetrative sex or it's really time consuming in the fact that they have to uh, use different drugs to get there or, you know, um, it's a real like penis pumps again, we were talking about. Um, so it's just the option to have that kind of closeness that comes with penetrative sex, um, but actually whilst enjoying a different kind of pleasure, uh, which is really, really interesting and something that has been invaluable to people that that haven't got that connection anymore because of those reasons. Um, so it's, it's really brought like a new lease of life to certain people's relationships, which is, which is great to hear. Um, and also it's a, 
it's a cracking product. It's, it's fantastic. You know, it's uh, it's something that that can be used as as an alternative to penetration if you just want that intimate moment. You know, we were discussing on my show that sometimes, especially with the stigma that's around cis men, um, you're reluctant to ask for that connection, and because you're deemed to be weaker if you do, or you know, some of the other words that we used in association to that that get thrown around in locker rooms or whatever. Um, so it's really interesting to to offer that as a sex toy because it kind of makes it okay as well. I mean, it should be okay anyway, but when you're coming out with a sex toy that allows you that kind of intimate connection, you know, it's, it's kind of a win-win really. Mm, yeah, yeah. I often find that like um, if there's something new to explore, and this is just from my own personal experience, I suppose, if there's like a new thing to explore in the bedroom with my partner or just sexually with my partner, um, and then there's there's a toy for it and I get kind of sent the toy or I kind of, you know, want to review a certain product. Uh, the, the like responsibility of initiating that kind of conversation or the, the, uh, the onus of like, you know, exploring that particular new way of stimulating our bodies is kind of taken on by the toy. It's not taken on by me. Like I, I don't have to say, Hey, like there's this, you know, there's this part of my body. I really want to explore. Like, you know, you know, can we do this? I can just go, Hey, I've just been given this prostate massager, for example, would you want to you know try it out? Cause we, you know, it's a new thing. Um, and so that like the, and I was saying this before, I think, um, when, when we were talking on, on your podcast is like, it just brings that playfulness, uh, and that, um, less than seriousness into, um, into sex, which I think is really, really important. Um, and yeah, it can be a, a really beautiful way of like initiating conversations that maybe feel a little bit too daunting to have. Um, if you don't have like a, a toy or a device or something to kind of lean on, to take a little bit of the burden of that conversation. Yeah, definitely. I think it's great that we do have those kind of things to lean on as well because it, it's kind of opening up a new conversation. You know, people get to do the jobs that we do, for example, which, you know, I couldn't love my job anymore. And to talk about sex and have self-pleasure every single day is just like the dream. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's opening up a culture where people aren't as ashamed of their bodies, they're not as ashamed of their sort of sexual behaviours or wants or desires or whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, I think that sex tech has, has got a lot to answer for when it comes to that because, you know, there's always new tech developing that kind of, makes it okay to have those desires and to experience those things and and gives you permission because if somebody's made it then that means other people want it too which by proxy makes it okay which it shouldn't be this way we should all be able to be fine with what we like and what we look like and stuff but sometimes people do need that extra bit of help to get there and i think sex tech really does do that for people totally yeah i i, I agree with you like um, we, sh we should hopefully, you know, in an ideal world, be able to have just conversations and be shame free and, and not have any issues around it. Uh, but you're right at, at the moment, like there is, um, probably a good portion of people that do need to lean on and rely on a, um, a sex tech, right. Or, or a toy or a product to, to kind of get them over the line, so to speak, with regards to, to having these conversations and, and breaking down that stigma for themselves. So, um, necessary 
thing uh, at the moment, but um, hopefully in the future, as we become more comfortable, uh, we can um, we can shed that shame uh, collectively um, and uh, and have more like intimate conversations around these things. And I'm just like thinking, I have I've only got one hot octopus toy, and I I, I want to. Um, I want to get more. Um, and the, the one Which that I, one do you have? <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember the name. I, you know what? I, I, I fucked up and I should have I should have looked up the name before I um, <laughs> before I came on. Um, but the uh, I can describe it. It is um, it is uh, like a little uh, black band that goes around the um, just below the the head of the penis, and it's a frenulum oh, stimulator, right? It and it's got it's the, the two. Jet. Yeah, the jet. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew straight away it's the jet. Yeah, that was our first ever toy that we brought to market. So, oh wow! So yeah, the OG. That's super exciting. You got the OG. You got the battery powered one. <laughs> yeah, it is the battery powered one as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, <laughs> wow. and it, it's it's fantastic as well. Um, like it's the reason why I personally really like it. Like it. Um, and uh, this speaks into me as an educator as well, what I was sharing before, is because it totally, it, it, it's not a stroker, you know, it's not a flashlight, it's not a stroker, it's um, it, it, like you, you, you strap it on and you um, play around with the vibrations and you like, it forces you to not have to rely on friction-based stimulation to to self-pleasure and to masturbate, which for me, like I'm bored of just using my hand and, and jerking off. Like that's, that's, um, I've done it my whole life and, and I'm, I'm just always looking for new and, and novel ways of, of experiencing you know, pleasure and, and exploring new pleasure pathways. Um, but you know, beyond that, collectively, I think, you know, like I was saying before, it's really important for, I mean, cis men in particular, cis het men in particular, I would say, to um, broaden their horizons with regards to exploring their bodies and exploring new ways of, of pleasuring themselves. Because a lot of guys that I work with, at least, have conditioned themselves to experience pleasure in one particular way by just jerking off like a chimpanzee. And so when they're with a partner, they they just want to penetrate and thrust away, you know, super quick because that's the way that they masturbate. And they don't see the translation there between the way that they masturbate and the way that they have sex. Um, and so one of the things that I think is really powerful with regards to, to toys is it opens up a whole, um, you know, it's kind of Pandora's box. It opens up this whole new way of um, experiencing pleasure and, and stimulating your, your penis. And and so that's why I really like the jet, for example, um, is because it does like forces me not to not to use my hand and, and to to stroke up and down in that very stereotypical way that that a lot of men masturbate. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to to throw it out there and, and say that huge fan of the jet and uh, definitely probably definitely time for an upgrade. Probably I uh, I uh, I didn't realize it was the first ever um, hot octopus toy on the market. So maybe I need to, uh, maybe I'm a bit, uh, a bit behind the times and I need to upgrade. No, well, definitely. I think that uh, we can figure that out. We'll, uh, I'll get onto our guy and see what we can send your way, send it shipping over to you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. I am, I, I'm, I'm just mindful of time as well. I know um, we've, we've probably gone um, a little bit over compared to um, what we originally planned, but I'm, I'm just curious with regards to um, like, I, I guess like advice, you know, like my, um, my, my content, the content that I produce is, is stuff that's, informed by my own lived experience right as and and you know I, I i i always say as a straight white dude but more than that like specifically for you know this conversation i suppose like as an able-bodied dude as well and um and you know that's not something i i suppose i say maybe enough with regards to my my content it's not something i i um 
like emphasize, I suppose, and, and maybe that's a something to for for me to 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 reflect on. Um, but for people that maybe aren't um, able-bodied, for people that do have a disability, uh, with regards to exploring their sexuality, and, and we've we've covered this in in kind of a, a couple of different ways, but um, just to kind of close this this particular um, conversation down, is there advice that you have for people um, who are wanting to explore their sexuality or maybe have some resistance or are struggling with it um, and that do have a disability as well? Yeah, definitely. I think that the point is you need to, this is quite cliche to say, but get to know yourself, um, get to know your disability, get to know how you feel about your disability and embrace it. Um, You know, it can be difficult. And like I've just shared my struggle with getting to know and embracing mine. So it's not an easy task, but once you've done it, it will open so many doors for you, whether that be sexual or within your own career. Um, and with what you want to do in your life. So, you know, I covered this a little bit in saying that, you know, um, sex tech opens like people's minds and makes them think that, you know, if there's something for them, there's something for me. So if there's a product that you want that isn't out there, then, you know, write to someone like me. We are keen to hear and we would love to help as many people find pleasure as possible. And obviously I'll give you my details, but if there is a, a something that hasn't been thought of that that stops you from experiencing self-pleasure, then let's sort that out and let's get to the bottom of it. I think it's just opening up those conversations and allowing people uh, to feel confident enough to explore that and to to not write themselves off sexually and think, oh, there's nothing for me. I can't do this. There's always an option. There's always a solution. So it's about working together to, to find those solutions. But when it comes to, you know, self-pleasure, dating, anything like that, confidence and communication are always my two things. And I think you can't really get that confidence until you've been through the journey of getting to know who you really are and and how you feel about that. But sometimes you've got to fake it till you make it as well. Like when I was younger, I was having a lot of sex, like not all of it good, obviously, because we were all in weird spaces, but I was, I was acting pretty confident and faking it a little bit. And, and sometimes it takes a bit of that to get you on the right path. Like you shared on my show that, you know, some of the bad experiences you had probably led you to where you are now. Um, so I think it's about just taking action and, and thinking about the options that are available to you. And, and if there aren't any, then creating some. That's quite a vague answer, but I'd love to collaborate and speak with as many people that are experiencing this as possible because I'll try and give advice and um, and hopefully people can learn from my terrible ideas and experiences. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much. That's so um, generous of you as well to invite people to, to email. Um, I, I'm, this is my own curiosity as well coming through. Is there... Uh, I know you mentioned like BDSM with regards to hot octopus. What else is on the horizon for hot octopus in the in the near future? So we're expanding as a brand uh, every day, which is so exciting. It means that we're very busy, which again, I love because I'm, uh, as we said, a glutton for punishment that loves to work. Um, so yes, we've got a BDSM range currently on the site, but we're actually launching a new site, I think at the end of this month, but it 
I'm not sure on that date 100% because you know what it's like with websites, especially when they uh, involved e-commerce and complicated things like that. They tend to be pushed and pushed and pushed, but we're getting there. It's all ready to go. Um, And that new site is going to be very user-friendly, very inclusive in terms of gender as well and sexuality as well. Um, It's going to have the BDSM section, which is going to have lots and lots of new product, uh, which is really exciting. Um, And then we are going to be um, releasing a section of accessible toys uh, that have come from other brands too, which is something we've never done before. We have never, we only sell our toys. We only sell our inventions uh, and we've never sort of sold anybody else's products. So it's a huge step for the brand and something we're really excited about doing as well. Um, so luckily I've been the one that's kind of put those to the test and uh, got to enjoy some new, some new experiences from that. So yeah, those will be going live with the new site as well. Um, we're selling some sex aids as well, which is great um, in terms of positioning, uh, but also some really cool straps that allow to hold your body parts in certain places. There's a huge crossover actually between our BDSM stuff and our disability stuff because um, like a lot of things that are used for restriction in terms of BDSM and strapping people down and stuff can actually be used in the reverse way to enable disabled people to be able to hold their limbs in certain ways. So it's actually a really interesting project. Um, So yeah, we're going to be launching a hell of a lot of new products. Um, We're working on like a really cool BDSM advent calendar, which should be really awesome. Um, So that should be out soon as well. Um, Yeah, just constantly trying to do new stuff. Um, but also starting conversation is something that's huge for us at the moment and is taking up a, a large percent of our time because we are we're working with trade mags uh, to talk more about why other sex toy companies should be looking at the disability market and making their products more inclusive. Um, we are doing work within mainstream media. I just did a really exciting piece for USA Today where I talked openly about all of the silly things that I did when I was a kid um, to raise awareness um, and to to normalize sex and disability. So we're working really hard on some cool campaigns to put ourselves into that space and to start those conversations. Um, And that can be anything from disabled people just looking really sexy um, to us talking about how disability and sex works in the care home setting or, you know, uh, somewhere like that or you know the the thing that we were talking about on my show which is um for people with autism how do they express themselves sexually and where does the line of consent lie and stuff like that we're opening up some really difficult subjects so that hopefully it becomes normal to talk about those things so yeah super excited about everything we've got going on currently yeah amazing and and um again sounds like you're super busy as well so um that's yeah i'm I'm stoked to to check out um what's gonna be happening soon and um and to 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 stay connected with you as well i'm definitely going to be uh trying to 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 build this uh professional relationship and and definitely uh upgrade my hot octopus uh, sex toy supply as well. That's something I'm, I'm definitely keen to, to build on. So, uh, well, thank you so much for being so, uh, open and vulnerable and, um, and, uh, just spending, you know, time. I know we did two, two episodes back to back. So I know we've been, we've set aside a bit of time, um, this morning for you and this, this evening for me. So I really appreciate you doing that as well. 
Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men's Sex and Pleasure podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account. You can find the link for that in the description below. You have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind the scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a YouTube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast. So like I said, if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me, then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.